So how good is that, that God is a healer, little things, and sometimes uh, I preached a few weeks ago about just taking it. Sometimes we're thinking, you know, I just got to take this, Mr. Richards. Oh, there we go. I was kind of scared my computer hasn't been working. (laughs) Oh, well. So that was really good. Thank you for sharing. It's encouraging. Um, And you guys, thank you for coming out in this heat. I almost didn't come, but Matt's like, come on, Sarah. So I'm just going to go right into just um, prayer today. So, Lord, I just thank you for this this group that is gathered here today, Lord, that they just come ready to receive. Lord, I want you to meet them today. Meet them wherever they are, Lord. Give them something that their heart needs. Lord, grow them encourage them, and most of all, just shower them with your love. I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about the goodness of God. He is so good to us, you guys. Sometimes when things go wrong, we think, where is God? And he's like, I'm not in the problems. I don't, he doesn't work there because everything is yes and amen with him, right? He doesn't live there. So if we're in these problems, God's like, you know, I'm already in the answer. I'm already in the solution. Just keep your eyes on me because if you do that, you're going, to the, you're going to the answer. You're going to the solution. That was not in my notes. I believe that is a word for you guys today. So, All right, so God is good. Do you guys know he is good? A lot of people think God is angry. Um, we see God with the big beard looking down from the cloud and all the you know, TV shows. But, you know, really, God is not angry. He's not, you know, wants, he doesn't treat us like puppets. He is good. Um, I want to read to you from the Amplified. I've kind of been in the Amplified because I just want to have the overwhelming. Amplified is a lot. So in 1 John 4, 8, if you want to jump with me, you're welcome to. If not, just uh, sit there and be ready to hear. So it says, The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him. For God is love. He is the originator of love and is an enduring attribute to his nature. So when we don't act in love, when you look at that, it says you haven't even become acquainted with God. Acquaintance means you haven't even really met him. If, If you don't love, then you don't know God because God says he is love, right? So we all know the Lord here, you know, God in heaven. Hopefully we've all accepted Jesus. If we haven't, we can get you there too. We'll show you how to go from just being knowing of God and becoming in relationship um, with his son, Jesus. So being acquainted with God, he is love. So what is love? It's not the little heart you draw on your notebook and you're like, this plus this equals forever married. You know, when you're like, you know, little kids, you know, love. It's, and it really isn't this feeling. People's like, oh, I just have this like pit in my stomach. I'm so in love. I'm like, maybe you need to use the bathroom. You know, it's not, it's not that. It's not how you feel around a certain guy or girl. Feelings are just there. You know what they do? They kind of support, um, what's going on, they can either confirm or deny the truth for you. They're not to be the truth for you. Like, I feel like nobody likes me. That doesn't, that's not the truth. People do like you, you know, and even if, even if it's just Jesus, at least you have that. You know, somebody likes you. You know, so just because we feel that way, that doesn't, our feelings just help us confirm or deny 
like something. So sometimes like I feel this way and I know that my feeling doesn't line up with the truth or my feeling does line up with the truth. So they just kind of support. We can't, love is not a feeling. Um, 1 Corinthians, you guys, it's the love scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. I'm going to read this um, again in the Amplified. It says, love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. It does not brag. It is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, and hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. And it endures all things without weakness. Come on. That's what love does. I mean, it's pretty... That's a lot of stuff. You don't have to wonder what love is. God was very, very upfront with that. So, I, as you guys know... My daughter, Layla, is driving now. I know, I can feel you guys' prayers. Um, no, she's pretty good. But I started thinking about, like, driver's ed. When you see a driver's ed car, like, on, you know, in front of you or on the road, you kind of give them a little more space. You kind of are watching to see where you can pull off if they, you know, are coming at you, right? Because they're probably not going to stop if they have an issue. So I was thinking about that. They put that sign on top of the car. So you're like, you know, if someone cuts in front of you without that sign, we like to maybe give them some choice fingers, some choice words, you know, things like that people do. Get mad. You know, tell them things, even though they can't hear you. Like, what are you doing? Does anyone else do that? Like when people pull in front of me, I'm like asking what they're doing. My kids are like, they cannot hear you. The windows are up. They're in another car. They're gone. They can't, they can't hear you. So this driver's ed car has that on there. We're aware. We know that, you know what, we need to be patient with them. We need to, um, we need to endure, like, that they take a long time to get to a stop or to go, and they're not very good at passing and all of these things. And we're okay with that because we're like, you know what, they're just learning. So, um, but when, when I'm driving now with my daughter, we don't have that on our car. You know, and sometimes people try to come up and tailgate and they're trying to pass you and they're wondering why is she going slow or why does she keep, you know, hugging the line or hugging, the, you know, you get people that are kind of rude and they, they cut in front of you or things like that because they don't know. They don't know that she's actually still just, just learning. It takes a long time. Like I think I, I was reading something in that little book they give parents, like it takes like three years for them to actually be a decent driver, three years, so. I know, I'm like, because what happens in the first year, they're learning. The second year, they think that they know everything by then. And then so, then they like make a lot more mistakes. That's usually where they get their first totaled car. And then, then the next year, they're, dry, they're practicing again more. And by then, they realize, I don't know everything and I can't control other drivers. So, um, we don't really know what's going on on the inside of that car. They don't know what's going on if I'm talking to her or if something happened or if she can't remember, you know, that you need to stop this far ahead or keep this distance. They don't know what we're saying inside of that car, right? They don't know what's going on. So um, people would probably be a lot nicer and kinder and more patient if they knew what was going inside, in, on, inside of our car. When I see a driver's ed car, I'm just like, 
Oh, that poor instructor. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm not like, I can't believe that they, you know, were going so slow. I never say that in my head when I see a driver's head because I'm like, oh, so I understand what's going on in there. So I want to kind of go back to the First Corinthians 13. And 13.13 says, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, you know. But sometimes we get confused of what love is. We read the First Corinthians 13, and a lot of times we like to read it, you know, like, you know, to when we're talking about people getting married or people, you know, how much we just love our family. And, oh, but we forget what it says up there. Like, sometimes I was like, not easily, not sensitive to things, I thought. Oh, Lord, I need to have less sensitivity, don't I? You know, I just start looking at that, and I think I forgot about that. I forgot about counting people's wrongs. You know, you ever, you don't know what they did. So what love is not? It's not denial. We can't be like, we just love everybody, you know. They come up, and they're rude to you. Or it, Love is not denial. Love is not um, pretending that there's not sin there. If someone's stealing, you're like, you know, just let them have it. Because we just let to love everybody. No. <laughs> you know, if you're a concealed carry, you might have a real problem. I don't know. Um, you know, what love is not. It's not just pretending that sin is not there. Um, because people who are in sin, you know what they like to say? You know what? Do not judge lest they be judged. And it says, you know what? Everyone will give account to the Lord. It also says, come together and judge one another in the body of Christ. Ooh! Oh, better take that out. People get all mad. People get all mad about the word of God here. <laughs> not you guys. You guys are amazing. But, you know, love is not letting people walk all over you. Sometimes we, we've done that with love. Like, well, I just got to be love. And, and they treat you bad. And they abuse you. And, you know, they say hurtful things to you. Or um, they're manipulating you. We think, well, I just got to love them. So we let them walk all over us and mistreat us. That's not love. Letting people take advantage of you and use you and agreeing with everyone. That's not love. Agreement is not love. God said he is love and he said, and this is what it looks like in Corinthians. None of that was in there, but sometimes we think tolerance is love. It's not. Agreeing with people is not love. You should definitely have people that you disagree with that you love. It's a lot more fun. I don't want to be vanilla. You know, I want to be like Rocky Road mixed with like Bear Claw or something if I had to be a flavor. I don't know. You know, I don't want to be... I, you know, because you know what? It shows that I'm walking after Christ. When I have people that rub me the wrong way or um, just have a hard time loving that, that we have conflict, I know how much I love them. I know how much I'm willing, you know, to be like, you know, I don't like you right now, but I still love you, and I'm not going to let you walk over me. We're going to work through this. That's a lot harder than just cut and run, isn't it? You know? Hit and run. They call it for a reason. They don't want to take care of the mess they made, right? Like when you're in a car and someone hits and run, they know they don't want to take care of the insurance. They don't want to, you know, it'll probably work out. We're in Michigan. We have a no-fault insurance thing, you know? So... But why is that? We don't want to clean up that because that takes work. And the same thing can be in relationships. When we, when we have that boom, that moment, 
sometimes we're like, well, I don't want to act in love. And God's like, well, what, what would love look like? So the Bible clearly states what love is and what it's not. So we don't have to be confused about that. We don't have to pray, well, I just don't know. You do know. God's word says it. That's the bottom line. His word is truth. We got it. So going back to thinking about, like, if people knew what was on, going on on the inside of that vehicle, how would they treat you? How would they respond? And I started thinking about, um, about this, and I started thinking, we don't wear signs that illustrate our personal struggles. We don't go around uh, with things like, you know, I have anxiety, or, you know, I lost a child, or I lost my job. It's not written on our shirt, so when we walk up to people, they're like, oh man, they're having a hard day, you know? I have, you know, I have unforgiveness in my heart right now towards something that happened. I mean, we don't go around with that written on there. You know, I have, you know, cancer or a chronic illness. Sometimes we can't see those things and we wonder, why is this person constantly being grouchy towards me? Well, we can't see what's going on the inside. We can't see that. We can't see if it says, you know, rejection. It would be a lot easier. Can we just get a list of issues that I have and just wear that shirt every day? I'd have to wear a dress. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But do you know what I mean? Like sometimes it would be easier when you're going up to someone and it's like, oh, I'm dealing with rejection. Because then when you accidentally pass them without saying hi because you were like daydreaming, you wouldn't be adding to that. You'd be like, oh, okay, I understand. Like, hey, how are you doing? You'd really make that effort to bring love into the situation. So I just thought about that. Like we don't bring those, those are not outward but they're still there. They don't go away. If we could visually see the pain, the baggage on others and what they were going through, would it be easier to love them? Would it? I think so. Like sometimes I'll have like a case against someone and then I hear about their life and I'm like, I'm the most horrible person for, you know, like when you hear, you're thinking, I've run into people who are just, they are hard and bitter and mean. You know why? Because they got a lot of baggage and pain in there. And so some, I can't take it personally. You can't take it personally. But we can love them a little bit more. We can be kind to them, a little more patient with them. Uh, we, could, we would be patient. We'd quit looking at them with jealousy. Like, why do they have everything? You may not know their life. They might have a big house, a big car. You know, their bank account might be full. But you don't know what struggle God has for them. When me and Matt had nothing, when ramen noodles was gourmet, people. And it was a good day when we had enough of those. We got married, and 9-11 happened shortly after, so you can see what our first year was like, if anyone remembers that time in our country. So... I was looking at that and I think, God, when we had nothing, it was so easy to look at people who were 10 and 20 years ahead of us, you know, and you go to church and they're all smiling, they have everything, and I'm like, I have sewed my pants up 10 times. I literally have one pair of pants right now, okay? You know what I mean? And you're thinking, and they're like doing giving campaigns and all of this, and you're like, give to me, look at me. You know, and God always did take care of me, but it was easy to get jealous and think, why do, you know what, 
They get to work for the church, and they have this, and, you know, they have this nice house, and here I am living in a trailer, and my foot went through the floor, and my carpet is orange shag. You know what I mean? I have a washer now, but not a dryer, so I take all the wet clothes in the trash bin, and I drag it to the laundromat. You know, what's going on, God? And I'm getting all jealous. Because I couldn't love them. I couldn't see what was going on. You know, and as time unraveled, a lot of things, and I was like, oh, I actually feel bad for them. You want to come stay at my trailer? There's a lot more peace here. <laughs> so it's easy sometimes to get jealous. Um, we, but if, when we, would we approach with kindness and not rudeness? Sometimes we think, well, they're going to be mad at me anyway, so I'm just going to, I'm going to beat them to the punch. I was so like that. Like, I hated at church, and they're like, give someone a hug. I was like, I will punch you in the face. My friend was my buffer because she knew I struggled with that. And there was always these people like, let me hug. You know, they just hugged everybody. And I was like standing. One time I was like working in youth and they're like, you know what, today let's just go around and give everyone a hug. And I thought, I'm going to kill someone today. So this guy, he always just hugs everyone. I see him coming for me. Well, I'm in, there's like a wall behind me. And then we have this, I did the candy table. So it was an L. I'm in the L, you guys. There's a table, and there's, you know, this. And he's coming from this direction. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to punch him and run. This is going to happen right here in church. And I thought maybe I could jump over the table. And my friend sees this, and she's like a hugger, which she broke me. And now, if you know me, I hug you all. So, um, but... She sees me, she pulls the table and comes in and grabs me in a hug because she's like, you're not going to punch me. (laughs) And she did that to me until my heart got soft because pain will make you hard. And so she did that to me and now I'm like, come here, give me a hug. I don't even know who you are. Give me a hug, give me a hug. You know, I lost. So we need to quit looking and saying, I'm going to approach with kindness and not rudeness, not put that wall up first. You know, quit getting easily offended. Yes, there is a thousand things a day that can offend me. I turn on the TV right there. Like, if you guys don't know, like, there's, a, there's an election on Tuesday, and every day I'm getting calls from these kind men and women constantly all day long. The, if you hang up on them, that auto call, you know what it does? Goes back and calls you again. You know, I have, we have opportunities to get offended. Sometimes I listen to them, sometimes I laugh, you know. Sometimes I'll just leave the phone off. I could get offended and be like, I can't believe they're, you know what, I'm going to write this and tell, you know. We don't have to do that. We don't have to get easily offended. Could we deal with hurt, offense, and even sin differently if we approach them with love? If we approach them with kindness. Like I said, I don't have enemies, you know, people say, well, what about the devil? Well, you know what? Jesus took care of that. He don't even have to be my enemy because Jesus already won that battle. Amen. I don't have enemies. You might think you're my enemy, but I don't receive enemies, so oh, to try somewhere else. If we deal with it different, differently, love is not ignoring sin. Do you guys know that? not ignoring sin but you don't have to go down someone's throat and be like you sinned you're horrible if you don't repent going to hell and it's really hot there 
that's probably not going to work. That wall of offense is going to get higher and higher, right? And it's not your job to take down that wall. That is the Holy Spirit's job. So you just love them. And the more you love them, people that have offense, they're going to just get up. They're going to get mad. Because God's chasing after them. You don't have to. He's doing it. He just called you to love. Sometimes we're like, I'm going to get them. And God's like, now I have to go get them and you. Because you just chased them right into sin. That one, put that in somewhere. That's good. Whew. You know, Ephesians 4.15, it says, speak the truth with love. If you're practicing what you're going to say and you can't wait to see them so you can tell them, um, just, if you didn't know, that's not speaking the truth with love. That's bitterness. You should probably throw that out and start over. If you don't know what to say, go to God's word and say, Lord, keep them far from me until my heart is right. I have done that before. Because I'm like, if you let me see them, I know bitterness is going to come out. That's okay to say, God, let someone else, you know, put them in someone else's hands because I would never want to harm them or hurt them. That is really good. When we love, confrontation is usually harder. Because when we get to that point of loving with, you know, speaking the truth in love, the other side already has some hurt or offense. And... um. They want to keep living that way, which always leads to death. And you can't change that. I think the hardest thing that we deal with is when we deal with confrontation and love, we want to make them see the truth. I grew up in a very controlling, abusive home. And I'm, you're going to do this, or I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to do it this way, whether I'm dragging you, forcing you, you know what I mean? That was life. There was no choices. There was no freedom. And so when you look at that, it's like you can't make people see the truth. It's not our job. God said just come up with confidence and love and kindness. They might respond to you with a bitter tongue. And you're going to be like, oh, that just doesn't work for me. Hmm. I'm going to choose not to, to be in that, that relationship anymore. That's okay. But you don't have to be like, I'm not going to be in that because you did this and this, and start naming off the stuff. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That is good. You know, we are people, we're hard to love, all of us. You know? It is, maybe not Lincoln. He's pretty cute. But people are hard to love. Because we all have these different things called ideas. Of the way things can go. Try to do construction with someone you love. We have different ideas of how we do things. We have blind spots. You know why they're blind spots? Because you can't see them. But the people behind you can see them. We can't see our own blind spots, but everybody else can see our blind spots. That's true. You know, we have these snares of sin that tend to catch us up. And they're not the same for everybody, right? Someone might have a snare that they get caught up in gossip. Someone might get in the snare of stealing or being dishonest. I don't know. We don't have the same snares. But there's kind of like those little snares that they're just waiting for you to get close enough that they can hook you. 
That's why it's hard to love people. Because we're doing these things and having these crazy ideas. But we need to go in thinking, what does love look like, God? What does your love look like? How would you relate to me in this situation? How would you relate to me, God? He would say, with my goodness. He'd say, why don't you just go back and look at 1 Corinthians 13 and put my name in there because that's how I'm going to relate to you every time I deal with you, Sarah. That's, and that's what he does. He's like, that's how I want to relate to you. How do we remain, so how do we remain this powerful person and not become a victim when dealing with people? You know, we kind of get that, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. You know, my brother used to sing that song, you know, they tease me all the time. Anyone who doesn't have more than two brothers, you know what, you don't know my life. Four brothers, all older than me, all a lot older than me, and brothers are just, they're just mean sometimes, right? But I love my brothers. They're good people. I'm glad I had them because they shaped who I am. They made me strong. So so we kind of have this like, oh, everyone's mad at me. And we just have this poor me at times. And God's like, that's a victim mentality. It says you are a victor in Christ. So why are you going over there and playing in the devil's playground? Because the only place there's victims is over there. Because he already got the keys. We are victors in Christ. So why are we playing the victim? Because that's not even of God. It can't be. He only created victory through his son's blood. We do it by, to keep, to be that powerful person, we've got to put up those boundaries with gates, not walls. Sometimes you've got to let things in. Kindness, giving a word of encouragement, um, you know, if someone loses their job and they don't have a job, you know, give them a word of encouragement. Send them some applications. Don't let them live in your basement for 40 years. Being lazy bum, right? Love doesn't have to be, oh, you poor thing. Love has to be, you know what? God has something better for you, and I'm going to say, I'm going to declare that this time next week, you're going to have your needs met. And here is, you know, and God says faith without works is dead. So here's some applications and you can go out and get these things done. That's love. Love is not, oh, yeah, you can live in my basement forever and, and I'll pay all your bills. That is not love. <laughs> love is kindness, not enabling. We sometimes get those mixed up. But you know what happens? You know if you've use love or you've used enabling because enablers will always take an offense towards their enabler. If you think, I've done everything for this person. Why are they acting this way to me? Why are they saying this? Why are they saying I never helped them? I did this. Because you enabled them and now you have to take responsibility and go back and take the love route. So you are not free from being like, what's all them? Don't play the victim too. If you enabled somebody, that enabler is going to have an offense towards you. Because we don't operate. We are not even wired to operate that way. We're wired to operate in the love of Christ. So that's why it doesn't work. And you think, I've done everything. I've seen parents give their kids everything, and their kids um, don't like them. I had a friend growing up, and like, 
I had to work for everything, you guys. Like, I wanted a bike, so I got a job picking raspberries, but I had to walk a mile, and it was like a straight-up hill. And I remember getting enough money to buy that bike. So I walked downtown. I was 14 years old, and I paid cash for my bike. And the next day, I rode my bike up the hill. And that was tough, but coming down was like, this is my bike. I still have that. No, I don't. I sold that bike to Jason last year. So you look at that and you say, I have to do something. We can't enable. We have to say, I love you and I love you enough to speak the truth in love. Come on, that's good. Love is setting that boundary so you don't get to the point of anger with them. That's why they get, you've done everything for them. You've given them everything. I had, you know, just like I was saying with my friend, her mom gave her everything. And I was like, why? You know, I have to work for everything. And I have this, this, you know, I had to get my own bike and my own school clothes and, you know, everything. I have to make, break my, buy my own food at, for lunch and, and all of this stuff. And I remember she like had a TV and it was like the newest stuff that ever came out. Like she had like everything. And they didn't even have a lot of money. The mom just, you know, spoiled their kids. And I remember, like, we're at her house one day, and she just, like, broke down, and I'm like, it's okay, you know, <laughs> poker, <laughs> you're fine. And she's, and I said, why are you so upset? Your mom has, you, you got everything. And she's like, yeah, but the difference is your mom loves you and mine doesn't. And I thought, I never thought about that, that my mom loved me enough to say, I want you to take care of you. I want you to learn that. I want you to learn some freedom and work and what it takes. And I'm very thankful for that because my parents instilled that in me. And I thought I didn't, her mom was enabling her to just do whatever she wanted, have whatever she wanted. And in the end, she didn't know love. It's, you know, setting those boundaries so we don't become callous or proud. Or at least, you know, you ever, get, you ever hear people, well, at least I didn't. At least they, you know. When you get to that point, do not go down that road. Don't go there. It never ends well. It never ends well. It's kind of like dirty laundry. Remember those old commercials that they had for like different laundry detergents and they'd pull a white shirt and they're like, oh, look at this white shirt. But when they pull the next white shirt out, that one doesn't look so white. That's what happens when we begin to compare. Because God doesn't compare. So don't go down that road of at least I didn't or they didn't do this. It never looks good when your dirty laundry is sitting next to somebody else's. I'm usually like, I'll take my own back now. Thank you. You don't have to like everyone. There, you guys are released from that. You don't have to like everyone. You do have to love them. It's God's nature, and since we have his nature inside of us, through his son Jesus, it is now our nature. Some people make me so mad, and I'm like, God, I just want so much good for them. I want to be mad at them. And God's like, well, you can't, because you have my nature inside of you. I'm like, but I don't like them. He said, I know. Right now, I don't either. But I love them so much. And I see, I see from a different perspective. We have a lot of people come into our lives. We've all been through this. It's not, it's not just people in leadership. It's everywhere. We have people come into our lives, and it's very painful. It hurts. 
You want to do everything when they hurt you and they leave or things like that happen or you're having an argument with them. It's painful. You want to do everything opposite of 1 Corinthians 13. I know I do. Easily angered? Yes, please. Thank you. Let me tell them. Because you know what? I always tell people, if I wanted to hurt you, you would be crying. I grew up with eight older siblings. I could hurt you. (laughs) They taught me all the ways to do that. You know? We want to do that. When sin or envy or offense is involved, it's painful for both sides. It's really hard to watch people you love walk into sin, isn't it? And you're thinking... Oh, you know better. You know this is going to end badly. What are you doing? That's what you want to say. And then you might even, like, just take their head and just hit against the wall a few times. You're thinking, maybe I'll knock something back into place. Like, how do they not know this? They have seen the love of Christ. They experience, you know, the freedom he gives you. What is going on? Okay, maybe you guys don't feel that. (laughs) Sometimes it feels that way. It is so painful to watch that. It's heartbreaking. You know why? Because we are in Christ. We are a new creature. We have his heart. When we do that, when we're in sin, when we have, you know, envy, when we have all of these things, and God feels, he feels that for us because we have his heart. Because we are in Christ in that new creation, our hearts will not tolerate sin. Our hearts will not tolerate hatred, offense. That's why it gets like, I got to take care of this now. You ever, like have an argument with, you know, a spouse and you're like, they leave and maybe go like to work or something. You're thinking, I got to call them. I got to text them right now because like, I got to take care of this because our hearts can't tolerate that because it's not in our nature. So it's just like, I got to fix this. I got to get forgiveness in there. I got to get repentance in there. But in all this, our heart surely breaks because of our love for them. When you love someone, and you have a conflict, it's because you love them (laughs) that your heart is breaking for them. A lot of people may never come back into our lives. We're all going to have people like that. But the love of God in us cries out for them to be restored. There are still people that I'm like, Lord, get them. Restore them. Let their hearts be reconciled to you. You know, we're secondary If they get reconciled to us, how joyful is that? But to be reconciled back to the heart of the Father, that is what we, that is, when we are following Christ, that is what he's doing. It is a bonus if they are reconciled back to us. But the point is, we want them to be reconciled. Our hearts cry out because we want them to be reconciled to the Father for their hearts to be whole. We break for what breaks God's heart. That's why it's so messy. Love doesn't pretend there's nothing wrong, but love is long-suffering. It doesn't say, you don't know what they did to me. Because Christ will always trump you. If you want to play that game, and Christ is before you, and if he said, you don't know what they did to me, He will always trump you, so there is nothing in there that can happen to you that did not already happen to him. And he has an answer. He has the way, the truth, and the life for whatever you're going through. It's like, okay, God, I don't like this situation. 
I don't like the choices I'm making or I don't like the choices they're making. This is not healthy. But God, I'm going to step back. I'm going to say, I love them, but you go get them. Send people that they can hear. You know, you drop revelation into their life. Send a donkey if they're that far gone. Send a herd of donkeys. I don't know what that's called. Is that right? A herd? Okay. Woo. You know, if you see a herd of donkeys, you better just get to your knees and repent right now. <laughs> Speaking now. You know, it's funny that I said that because sometimes I was feeling bad for myself one day. And my neighbor walks by with a donkey, and I thought, oh, Lord, I'm going to repent right now. See, God can use anything. Those of you that know, the Lord used a donkey to speak when they couldn't hear what God was saying. <laughs> so chase them. You want good things for them. They might not be good things next to you. God might pluck them up and put them with a group that works for them. And sometimes that's sad. Grieve a little bit, it's okay. But say, God, you're going to get them, you're going to change. You're going to bring their heart records. And that is more powerful than me and them being like, oh, we're nice, we're friends. Not everyone has to be your friend. Everyone has to be your family in Christ when they come to know the Lord. The goodness of God is always how he relates to us, always. Always, always, always. How much? Always. Always how he relates to us. Because we are a new creature in Christ, and that's how we relate to others. We don't have to like everybody, but he's like, love them. you know. And if you don't know what to do, say, God, go get them. Because I don't know what to do. They can't hear from me. Send a donkey. Send somebody else. Send a bird. The Lord used birds for me for a lot of years. And it was scary. I used to be terrified of birds. And they... <laughs> And they acted terrified around me. <laughs> oh. Whatever God's got to do to send it, you might not, you are not everybody's answer, but you are somebody's answer. When you think of that, those of us that maybe try to be everything to everybody, I don't know if anyone else has ever been there. I've been there a few times, try to take care of everybody. I don't want people to have to deal with their own problems. I want to take care of their problems. And... Um, because Danny Silk, that he's like, never work harder on somebody's problems than they're willing to work on it themselves. <laughs> Doesn't end well. The goodness of God. The love of Christ. Know what love is. Know what love isn't. And when we go out, that's how we need to be. We need to think about that in every aspect of our life. With our family, with our church family, and our ministry, Facebook, I'm serious. People get powerful behind a screen, behind text, behind Facebook. Speak to my face. Let's show the love right here. Right? Because when they're standing face to face and they think, well, you said that mean, and you're like, I just love you. You're so awesome. And it just... I like to just take, I like to snatch the wind right out of their sails. Because I'm like, it doesn't matter what you do. You can hate me, but I'm going to love you. But we need to think about that in every area of our life, not just the ones we think are the most seen. So that's all I got for you guys today.